Oh, so uh, morning everybody and uh, welcome to um, this month's Strategy Cafe. Um, uh, I'm Nick Mayhew, um, Founder and Managing Director of Alembic Strategy and uh, this is our uh, monthly um, article on, on leadership. Um, the two shots of business inspiration in your coffee first thing in the morning um, before, you, uh, before you hit the, the, business, uh, the business desk. And uh, I'm uh, delighted this morning to uh, have um, uh, for interviewing Dr. Amina Aitsiselmi, who's going to introduce herself to you in a minute, talking about um, achievement, overcoming barriers in her career. And then the subject today is really about that self-leadership issue, uh, tackling doubt, um, and how to overcome the barriers to success in your own life. And then we'll wrap up with a summary around um, uh, 8.55 this morning. Uh, Dr. Amina has um, been uh, very kind and agreed to hang around for a few minutes for questions at the end of the session. So uh, if you notice, there's a questions area uh, on your dashboard for the GoToWebinar. Um, please fire in questions as we go, and we'll try and field them during the discussions. Uh, or if we don't manage to, then uh, we will uh, handle them at the end. So if you can hang around or you want to hang around, we'll be on for maybe five or ten minutes at the end until just after nine just to deal with some Q&A. Um, so um, this uh, first shot in your coffee is an um, interview with Amina. Um, Amina is uh, from Next Generation Coaching and Consulting. Um, and um, I, I'm going to just kick straight off and uh, say hi to Dr. Amina. Hello. Morning. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm really good. So uh, maybe uh, just say hi to everybody and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are. Great. Yeah, thanks for having me at the Strategy Cafe. Thanks for everybody who's um, tuned in. So I'm Amina Itzisalmi. I'm a doctor by background. I was a consultant in public health medicine in the NHS and international public health to be precise. And um, I'm now an honorary clinical senior lecturer uh, at UCL and I, I run my own coaching and consulting practice, um, helping doctors and high achievers to, who may be feeling a bit stuck to transform their lives and careers and create something extraordinary. Fabulous. Uh, we met um, at uh, the Little Ship Club in London, didn't we, through our livery company, World Traders. And um, I think uh, we sat next to each other for an hour or two and um, just chatting about uh, your background. And I was really intrigued. Um, and uh, since read your, uh, your article on, on the subject today, which, um, by the way, everybody, that's posted up on uh, our website on um, um, the... Um, uh, executive thinking publication in Medium. You can find all sorts of stuff in there. And Mina's article is up there, so you can go and have a read of the full article later. It's a great, great article. Really, really inspiring. And I'm just really pleased that you were happy to be interviewed for our um, our audience today. Uh, I was really struck by the um, by the intro to that, um, where you talk about uh, being in being in class. Um, I think that's like nearly eight years in class or something, but. Uh, there was one moment you talked talk about where you were just struck by a number and that number was really inspirational to you and gave you a way forwards. So just tell us a little bit about what that was, uh, Amina, and um, how, how it meant you ended up here at, uh, is it Abbey? Abbey, yes, it's Abbey, South Sudan. Yeah, so believe it or not, this was my dream come true. And so, uh, as yeah, as you said, it was, it was at medical school, in fact, at Cambridge. Um, 
it was the second year in medicine and it was pretty heavy going in terms of science. It was a lot of basic science teaching. Um, but I became obsessed with public health after a lecture in what was called population science because um, I, I just was struck by the fact that through a single number or statistic like infant mortality rate or maternal mortality rate, you could tell so much about a country and its health system and more importantly what you could do to prevent unnecessary deaths. Um, by understanding those numbers. Um, so after that I, I was on a mission to understand what this thing was and it turned out to be epidemiology and public health and was on a mission to make that my job um, and uh, yeah the big dream was to work at, at international level, work in the places that needed it most, work um, with the World Health Organization and um, organizations that would go to these places. I think it's so compelling when you look at um, uh, sort of health democracy um, uh, from a sort of public health point of view, and you you appreciate you start to appreciate really quickly, you know, in a way how lucky we are uh, in in uh, Western health economies, by contrast with uh, with other places that don't don't have that. I mean, can you give us some insight into the gaps in in care? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So one of the the most uh, shocking things was the, the inequalities between countries and regions um, in some of these um, figures like maternal mortality and uh, infant mortality. So, for example, maternal mortality, you could get um, you can get a 200-fold or more difference between a place like South Sudan here um, and a country in Europe. Um, life expectancy um, in the West, it's you know you can live to your 70s, and in some sub-Saharan countries, you you live to your 40s. Um, so for me, coming from um, I grew up in a in a socialist country, um, that was very striking, um, and it and it ignited that sense of social justice. Oh yeah, no, I completely I can completely understand. I mean, because these are all preventable deaths, and uh, and, um, and you know, and each one is a, is a, is really a tragedy. So just tell us, um, tell us about the uh, the journey then that led you here to to South Sudan and what and what was happening for you there. What happened in Sudan? How did you get there, and what happened to you? Um, so that was at the I was um, like many of uh, medics, um, doctors, we need to balance um, the rigor and the the career track that we're supposed to follow, ticking all the boxes, and trying to do something that we really care about and are passionate about. Um, so for me, I needed to get the first uh, jobs out of the way, get my membership of the Royal College of Physicians, um, and then apply for registrar posts. And in the middle, I managed to um, get um, the, the opportunity to work with Médecins Sans Frontières and was able to go to South Sudan, um, which I, I really wanted to do. I really wanted to give something back and contribute and, and see what it was like. Um, um, in, in places that were the most deprived in terms of health services. So um, it took a lot of uh, planning and, um, and uh, hard work uh, to get there, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I um, was there in 2006 to 2007 for a few months. In this, in this location, I think I read the statistic, you were the only GP for 50,000 people. Um, just tell us, tell, give us some insight into yeah. what that was like for you. So this was a, a returnee village in a, in a special zone, so um, it had a lot of oil and so it was very contested and very um, unstable. Um, and there were uh, returnees coming back every day, this was after the, um, one of the war periods. 
And um, so there were busloads of people coming back every day, and there were about 50,000 people when I arrived, li living in very basic conditions. And there was one small facility we called the hospital that was run by um, MSF, and I was the doctor there. So dealing with everything from um, any sort of GP presentation to gunshot wounds to obstructed labor, um, TB, um, we had an uh, an uh, epidemic of measles at one point and some seasonal meningitis and doing all sorts of things that um, I probably wouldn't do under those conditions in, if I were in the UK. Anywhere else. And you were telling me about uh, one delivery. It's an awful, awful experience. Kind of yeah, so I, I really learned about the meaning of resourcefulness and getting out of your comfort zone in Sudan. Um, and uh, Tony Robbins, who I did my coach training with, talks about how it's not resources, it's resourcefulness that solves problems. Um, so Harry moments including, included delivering a baby. So a lady who was three days into obstructed labor and, um, or three days into labor and um, 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 getting, going into seizures and ha having to somehow deliver this baby, having not been an obstetrics um, uh, tr uh, trainee and scrambling around to find a manual, finding some forceps, and then just doing my best to deliver this baby, who was unfortunately stillborn, but the mother survived. It's just a completely um, horrific and wonderful experience at the same time. It's um, just such a poignant tale for me. And I, get, I completely get the idea that you start out, you know, saving, I mean, really saving one life. Saving one life, right, is just such an amazing thing to do. But then when you yeah. see the circumstances, you realize that as a leader, you can have an impact on so many people by working at a different level and save save many many lives so how how did that instant incident inspire your your next move and what happened to you next so yes you're right uh, there were and there were other instances like uh, dealing with multiple casualty road traffic accidents dealing with drunken soldiers waving guns at you and shouting in Dinka, so it definitely teaches you something about uh, leadership and thinking on your feet and not getting stuck in your head. So um, the next step was to come back to the UK and, and start my specialist training in public health because this was frontline work and I was really aiming to um, act on the, the wider determinants, so the reasons people end up having not um, good um, economic conditions or adequate health services. Um, so that's operating at the policy and politics level. So I came back and started my public health training uh, in London. And um, um, then um, um, I was really intrigued by this, uh, this next photo, which I think is uh, uh, sort of very resonant. Um, it's sort of um, dark, uh, glowering, um, mountain paths, difficulties ahead. Uh, so, you know, you had this inspiration to get into public health, but then it didn't happen for a long time. So, <laughs> what, what were the barriers? What was stopping you um, moving, moving in this space? Yeah, so um, I did progress along the public health training, and I was um, one of the academic trainees, so it was a great opportunity to dive into some of the issues and spend time in academia doing research. And I, I, I had a, a really um, um, important time uh, learning about inequalities and policy and the, in, in, the, the deeper aspects of public health. But uh, along the way I got a little bit lost um, because um, um, I realized one, I wasn't uh, really 
on the path to international public health anymore. Um, the Health and Social Care Act came into play and disrupted the whole um, the healthcare system. The health system, public health was taken out of the NHS, and uh, many of us were uh, a little bit at a loss as to what the next steps would be because the jobs that we came trained for were sort of being taken away and not available, uh, at least not in the form that we thought they would be. Um, I was doing, doing UK work, local authority work, so as far removed from the international as I could be at one point. And I also realized I didn't want to travel so much because I'd been uprooted so much in my life. I it felt that I wanted to be more rooted. So I was very, very confused and the authorities that be weren't encouraging in terms of doing international health. I had an opportunity come up out of nowhere saying, why don't you come and work um, on this project with the United Nations around the sustainable development agenda? Um, and when I asked some of my sort of mentors and um, uh, uh, the authorities that I was discouraged from that and told, no, no, you need to go to a local authority because that's where the work is and you won't get a job if you go and do this exciting international health stuff. So as you can imagine, I was in quite a bit of turmoil, you know, what do I do? Do I go for the safety? Do I go for the excitement? Do I... Um, so, and I wasn't sure, and I was, I remember it was a hard period, and I couldn't, I wasn't even sleeping properly. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that, because it's, um, there's a, a lot happening in the NHS right now. You have this, you have this dream, you've had it for years, you've gone through that burning experience of working for Médecins Sans Frontières and in other aspects. You've developed your career towards your dream, and here you are, you're busy, you're a doctor, uh, you're working really hard, you have a day-to-day -day life. You're still thinking about this, but it's cloudy, it's difficult, and then even when you talk to people that you trust and you want to listen to, they're telling you not to do it, not to pursue your dream, mm -hmm. uh, and that uh, you know it's not going to—it's too much of a risk. Uh, yeah, it's that whole risk-taking and getting out of the comfort zone again. So this time, I was at a conference in um, Alaska, so it was work kind of work-related, but then I took an extra week. Um, and to me, it was just an awesome place. It was majestic. It's somewhere I probably would have never gone to if it weren't for related to work. Um, and the 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 awe of it struck something with me, and it connected me to something very deep inside. And it reconnected me to sort of the planet, seeing these glaciers that were melting, and the impact of climate. The impact of climate change is real, and we're part of the whole thing. Um, and it was very silent, um, these really beautiful landscapes. Um, and it just, uh, it just removed, it, 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 I think I mentioned before, this experience of radical declutter. Right. I love that phrase. So that noise. Yeah, so that noise, the background noise, the day-to-day -day, um, stuff that interferes with some of our deepest... Uh, um, intuitions that whisper solutions and sort of give us ideas of a way forward and um, I could I could finally hear that again and it's in the middle of um, nowhere in a little cabin that I suddenly had this insight that, yeah, of course I want to do international health of course I'm gonna take this opportunity why the hell wouldn't I I mean who knows what's going to happen next year so I just it was so loud and clear um, and it was just such a great moment. It was such a relief just to have that clarity. Um, and um, yeah, it was. When we, amazing. When, we talking, when we were talking about this, I mean, uh, you, I, I mean, this is just such an awesome photo. 
Um, I'm guessing here you're pretty high up. Um, and uh, this is in this space where you've gone into the landscape. And, um, and this is some, um, you know, this is a huge scene in front of us, right? It's a mountain ahead, I think. Um, yes. Arctic Valley mountain. Arctic Valley, right. And uh, you talk about the fear that you're experiencing being in this space. Just tell us a little bit about that. So this is before the hut, right? This is um, as you're just walking. Yeah. So this was a, what I'd call an embodied experience of a principle. So the idea that when you take a risk to go for something great, something you really want to do, you are going to be faced with fear of the unknown because you won't necessarily know the path forwards. And to a medic, that was, that was very unfamiliar because everything was laid out before me from medical school to the time I became a consultant. And then suddenly I have this dream and I want to follow it and I'm excited about it, but, they, um, but, I, um, but I don't know exactly what's going to happen. And so coming down this mountain and having a bit of a fear of heights, feeling dizzy and feeling stuck at one point, um, but then having this experience of just put one foot in front of the other. Don't look down, just, just take one step forward at a time. Um, and really feeling that, um, before I knew it, I was down, I, I, I'd come down the mountain and it was exhilarating and really helped to, to reconnect me, to, to, just to amplify the motivation to pursue what I wanted to do rather than what I was being told to do or the safe option. I, I love the fact that uh, the environment you're in sort of was a metaphor for what was going on on the inside for you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it's intriguing to me that it was after this walking through this majestic and fearful landscape, the one step at a time path, that you were in this hut and that's when the answer came through so clearly for you. Yes, I think that they're definitely linked. I think it's... Um, I think that's why people recommend that you go and spend time in nature if you're confused and um, spend time away from your, your daily habits, your routine, so you can break the patterns of thinking that are stuck and, yeah. and get, out, get out of those ruts. So, yeah, go and visit Alaska or anywhere that inspires you that way if you're feeling a bit stuck and trying to find a way forward is what I'd say. It's a great tale. So let's wrap it up. So here, here, here's the here's the uh, book-ended pictures, uh, the 2007 to 2015. Tell us about this, Amina. <laughs> so this is yeah. So this was a um, this was the original dream come true, right? So I I found myself in the at the Palais des Nations, at the United Nations. I was working with um, a great lady who. Um, um, introduced me to, to this level of work. I was working on the 2015 Sustainable Development Agenda through Disaster Risk Reduction, which is similar to climate change adaptation and um, articulating the health aspects and advocating for health and science so that policy is as evidence-based as possible, which isn't easy. Um, so I was the lead author for a United Nations report on the role of science in disaster risk reduction. I was invited to speak at the WHO in Geneva to heads of country offices and it was uh, really um, it was the dream come true uh, to be able to influence at that level and learn the ropes of international negotiation and what it takes to get your message across in that kind of environment and a lot of public health is about advocacy advocating for the vulnerable advocating for health which can often um, 
be left aside when economic considerations are, well, they're usually a priority. Um, and it was interesting. It was fun to meet different people from different parts of the world, other doctors from different parts of the world, public health specialists, and even rubbing shoulders with some of the great and the good and interesting of the world, like the Ban Ki-moons. The emperor of Japan came to, the to one of the conferences, and I even bumped into Robert Mugabe. <laughs> Amazing. That's so cool. It's such a great story and um, really inspiring. I'm sure it's been inspiring for everyone to listen to you. Um, and uh, I just want to kind of just um, wrap up with some summary notes from me, which are just sort of my take homes from uh, Dr. Amina's tale. And then we've got some great questions which I'm going to throw at you, if that's okay, Amina. Sure. Um, so um, just some sort of summary uh, thoughts from me, really, about this. Um, so first of all, I mean, these are just my ideas, but uh, these are what struck me. So I guess you guys may have different uh, insights and just um, throw them into the questionnaire and we can share them a little bit just while, while we're here with Amina this morning. So this first one for me is attraction and distraction. It's so easy to fail to focus on our purpose, you know, just simply because sometimes of the compelling focus of the day to day, you know, or the culture that we're in, you know. Um, that cultural point, so um, even people who are well-intentioned, who are soaked up with our culture and their purpose, maybe tell us not to do things that really are our core purpose in life. And because they're influential and they're part of our culture, it's difficult. You know, when you hear that message, don't do that, that's a risk, it's too much of a risk, it can hold you back. Um, is that right? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And even the day-to-day -day tasks of life can get in the way. You know, I've got to go and do my shopping, I've got to sort out the bank, you know. There's so much clutter um, that it can get in the way uh, of the power of attraction of our purpose, and our purpose can get lost. And for many of us, I think that will resonate, that our purpose can get lost. So I love this concept from Dr. Amina, this, uh, this idea, which is my big take-home from today, is this idea of radical decluttering. So maybe one thing you've got to do when you're feeling that confusion and you're feeling that doubt and you're not sure that you're on track is to get away. Uh, in order to clear the mind, get away from your normal triggers. And really, I would say that's your everyday environment, whatever that is for you. So while an epic landscape and mountains and sea, um, that can be so impressive as to kind of wipe the slate clean and clear the mind. But actually, just a change of scene can be compelling, somewhere completely new. Uh, so go somewhere new, spend some time away, and if that's just your annual holiday, you know, give yourself three or four days, but then have a day of your own walking on your own on your holiday. Just give yourself time to let yourself hear uh, your true purpose come through. Uh, so you can do it even just on your normal holiday. And I love this concept of re-engaging with your physical self. So physical activity and challenge can bring you back from the distracting thoughts and back into your own reality. And it can be a metaphor for the change that you need. And I was really struck by that story from Dr. Amina. You know, the fear of heights, uh, the fear of the mountain path, being an echo of a fear of her taking a step into the life not yet trodden. And her overcoming that fear step by step was a metaphor for her soul's rediscovery of her true journey. And then you've got to allow time. Um, there's a lot of noise. So instincts and feelings need to turn into thoughts. Um, so they start off with just a feeling on the inside and that doubt that you've got is a signal something must be dealt with uh, your insides are telling you so often our deeper voices our deeper wishes are expressed in ways we can't initially voice with words 
and we need that space and time to connect to them and then we will hear them. Our subconscious selves are trying to get in touch and you can pretty much guarantee that they will get in touch. <clears throat> and so just final points from me really. The juice of life lies outside of the comfort zone. So we all need certainty and we all need security, everyone needs that, but we also all need variety. And of course the greatest callings are for significance or for growth. And these forces can be contradictory. And any resolution of that contradiction can only come through experiencing some discomfort, which requires courage and it requires space, but that's where change happens. And for me, that's the essence of self-leadership is to give yourself the space, push yourself through some discomfort, take courage by the, you know, grasp your courage and walk forward step by step. And you will hear the inner voice and reconnect. So just question from me is, uh, you know, what's the one thing you're going to act on from today's workshop? Now, it's 8.54, so we're kind of wrapping up, but I'm going to take some questions, and you're all welcome to stay on. We've got some great questions fired in from the audience uh, here. So um, one for you, Amina. Mm -hmm. um, how do you translate your amazing journey uh, into um, learnings for your clients and your coaching practice? Um, that's a great question. Um, I, I, I use it as uh, examples to draw on when clients are stuck mainly, I think, because um, it's easy to feel alone on the journey and think it's just you and there's something wrong with you and you're missing something to be successful. And it's not true. We yeah, all yeah. have the same experiences. Um, the, the experiences I went through are universal um, in, that, in, in that potential, but we, like you said, we need a little bit of discomfort to be able to tap into the to the to the juicy stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, great question uh, from uh, from uh, Richard Gray. Um, morning, Richard. Um, so, what are your daily habits and practice that uh, keeps you in that uh, you know that away from distractions? Have you got any daily habits and practices that help you stay focused? Definitely. Um, <laughs> Uh, meditation, not reading the news, and um, a, a, a few things which I probably don't have time to go into, but um, I think getting out of your comfort zone once a day is a great practice as well. Very good. Uh, we've got um, a question from a surgical trainee who's been watching today. Just um, uh, any scope for participation in public health practice in the UK or abroad? Are there any advice or appropriate steps to take? I mean, is that one that we could take privately and um, I could uh, connect you to? Sure. Um, so wonderful. So, um, a question from question from me. So, um, um, in the end, what what? It's just different stresses. Um, I get the stress of some of the situations you had when you were in um, in Sudan, and then the stress also of being on the wrong path. Mm -hmm. uh, can you reflect on that? Which uh, is, which was more stressful? Is that a stupid question? It's just different. Um, no, I think one is a physical stress and the other is an existential stress. So um, one was about my life being at risk and other people's lives being at risk. And the in, in Alaska, it was dealing with those um, yeah exist, existential issues, let's say, and coming to and resolving them. I, I completely relate to to the latter one. I, um, becoming becoming who uh, we are here at Alembic, you know, there's a, a long period of journey in life where you know not on the right track and just feeling the pull to get back into 
the right space. Uh, yeah. For me, it's a, it's a strong call, and I think this, I feel the same in you. I sort of hear the same in you. And um, I would heartily recommend to everybody listening to go on the inner journey, uh, to discover your inner landscape, maybe by experiencing an outer landscape, and get comfortable with what's going on on the inside and explore it. Because from my experience, that can help you get back to uh, some of the true joys of life, and it's very worthwhile. And it may seem scary to start with, but just do it because it's a great journey to go on. And I think Dr. Amina has been an absolute inspiration this morning to all of us to, you know, take that in hand and step back into the true path. So thank you very much. I'm just going to wrap up uh, with some notes. Uh, so if you like today's webinar, you know, come on our past events uh, page on the Olympic website. Um, there's a, a heap of really good short webinars from great people up there that you can go listen to. They're all fantastic. The slides are up for um, Amina today, so you can download the slides, and we'll have the MP4 up there shortly, so come back and, uh, and uh, listen again. Um, the next one is on the 19th of July, and this is going to be around leading innovation and complex surgery. I'm absolutely delighted to have Professor David Dunaway, CBE, who's a leader of pediatric craniofacial surgery at GOSH, um, and uh, together with his uh, business partner, Awais Jelani, uh, these, these two chaps have um, dealt with two of the separations of conjoined twins. I think there's only seven been done in the world. So they're a world-leading um, neurosurgery team and just really interesting tale of 20, 30 years of innovation and teamwork and leadership at the top in, in surgery, just really interesting tale. So register for that. You can go on the website and register for that right now. Um, so that's the 19th of July, and then on August the 17th, we're going to do a strategy cafe reversal. Some people have said that um, uh, they want to interview me with my thoughts on future leadership. So as it's holiday zone, I thought, fine, we'll do that. Maybe one or two of you are listening. And then in September, just a note, we'll have our next leader forum for directors, and there will be the launch of our executive leaders forum. So this is specifically designed as a learning and networking space for senior execs uh, with major leadership responsibilities people who are out there not running a company but running a major function and looking for a place to come to to find personal change and help with their, uh, their leadership. Uh, so that's, that's coming up in September. Look out for the invitations for that. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a great day. Thank you.